0: to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Levi Secord, and I'd like to thank you for listening. Christ Bible Church exists to bring all of Christ into all of life, and in doing so, we glorify God. This podcast series is not meant to be a replacement for the local church. It is not meant to replace your regular gathering with Christ's people across Christ's earth. And so we encourage you to use these sermons to bring glory to God, to bring all of Christ into all of life, and to strengthen and encourage one another in his name. With all of that in mind, let us turn our hearts and our minds now to the preaching of God's word, and in it may we see and glorify and emulate our Savior. It's good to see all of your faces here this evening. Uh, Greetings uh, from Christ Bible Church. Doing a co-service like this is is a great joy. We gather this evening as the church has done for nearly 2,000 years, or a little over 2,000 years, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. It is no small thing that people from all around the world, from different tribes, different backgrounds, different skin colors, have gathered together for centuries to declare that Christ is the Lord and Christ has came in the flesh. We sing songs, we exchanged presents and we worship Jesus all to celebrate the birth not just of anyone but the birth of God the son as John puts it in his first chapter the word became flesh that is the eternal word who was with God and who is God the one who created all things has become flesh and dwelt among us the infinite one was contained in the womb of his mother. The infinite one was held by his father, and he walked among us. We call this the incarnation. It's a fancy word that just means in the flesh, to be enfleshed, that God the Son existed beforehand, but then he added to himself a human body, a human flesh. And tonight, I want us to consider the importance of the incarnation, that God would take upon himself a human nature, and what that means for you and me, and how we should live our lives. And I want to do that by considering the difference between an incarnation and the various forces that push you and I to live in a form of excarnation. And now you're going, this is more than I signed up for on Christmas Eve. Incarnation, incarnation is life in the flesh, while well, incarnation is life out of the flesh, outside of it. And at this point, I want to acknowledge a, a hat tip here to the ministry and website ChristOverall.com and an article last Christmas written, written by Andrew Sandlin. I'm basing a lot of this off of their thinking on this. Why is the idea of incarnation so important? not just to your salvation, but to your life? And why is the idea of excarnation so dangerous? Well, Paul tells us in his letters that the gospel of Jesus Christ was offensive back in his day, both to the Jews and to the Greeks. But why was it so offensive? To the Jews, the idea of a Messiah who would be crucified, who would be killed on a tree, was unthinkable. It was offensive. For the Greeks... The idea of God coming in a human body was a non-starter. It was offensive. It was unthinkable. For this reason, many false teachings emerged in the early church. Many attempts to try to blend the popular culture of that day with the teaching of the Bible came about. We call this theological liberalism. It's always been a threat in the church as the church tried to become more like the dominant thinking of its age. And so we had people teach in the early church, that Christ, or denied that Christ was God. Why did they do this? Because they found it unthinkable and offensive, according to the dictates of Greek philosophy, that a God could take on a human nature. Why did they think that? Because they denied the goodness of physical reality. Physical reality was something to be escaped, something to be liberated from, something to be saved from. They thought that salvation would come through being excarnated, That is to be freed from your flesh, that your spirit was trapped inside your body, and your body is a prison. Still others in the early church, building off of this, denied that Christ actually had a human body. They said it only looked like Christ had a human body, but because he was God he couldn't have had a human body. The church rallied around uh, these are against these false teachings and declared them to not be what the church has taught. All of these could fall under a fancy term known as Gnosticism. A rejection of the physical and an embracing of only spiritual. Only non-physical things matter. And to be honest, this false teaching has plagued the church for 2,000 years. I still encounter Christians today who think that spiritual means immaterial, and immaterial is better than material. This is sub-biblical. This is not what the Bible teaches. We forget that Genesis 1 opens with God creating the heavens and the earth. Both the spiritual realm and the physical realm are created realities. Both are fallen into sin. We also forget that as creation account reaches pinnacle, God looks out on his creation and says, It is very good. It is not the problem. Christianity stands opposed to all forms of devaluing what God has declared good. Yes, this world has fallen. Yes, this world is in need of redemption. But the redemption is about good versus evil, not physical versus spiritual. And so the rejection of the physical has been a marker of just about every pagan religion that has ever existed. From Greece and Rome to modern day Buddhism, which says in order to be enlightened and to be saved, you have to reach nirvana, a state of nothingness. That you are freed from your body. Or modern Hinduism, which says you need to escape this endless cycles of reincarnation so that your spirit can finally be free from life in the physical. Christianity puts forward the exact opposite. God created the physical universe. He declared that it was good. And for that reason, because creation was good at the beginning, God the Son could come in the flesh. God the Son could come and be physical Without being sinful. This is the scandal of the incarnation. And it runs very, very deep in the Christian faith. Christ not only came in the flesh, he not only took on a human nature, but he died in that human nature. He rose again in that human nature. Thomas went up to him and stuck his fingers in the wounds of God the Son. This is scandalous. To the Greeks, but central to our faith. And from this, you and I must take two irreducible truths. The first is this, your body is not the problem. Sin is, right and wrong, is the conflict of this universe. And second, to be in the flesh, to be incarnated, is essential to what it means to be a human. Your body is not a cage for your soul. Your body is not an accident. It is not less than. It is at the very heart of what it means to be a human, of what it means to image God. To be a human is to be irreducibly a body and a soul. And we can distinguish between these two, but these two are not meant to ever be separated. They are interwoven and connected. This is why you can be spiritually or mentally down and feel it in your gut and feel it in your body. This is why when your mood is bad, your body can be bad. And when your body is malfunctioning, your mood can also be bad. Because we are irreducibly body and soul together. These two are only ever separated under the judgment of God at physical death, where the soul is ripped from the body as the body dies, and God judges man for his sin. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in his letters, and he describes it like being naked and unnatural. It is not how things are meant to be. The separation is unnatural. So in our day, today, there are two forces that kind of try to drive a wedge between this right view of humanity. The first you are very familiar with. It's a form of Darwinistic naturalism. It denies that there's anything but the body. There is no soul. There's only the physical. And in this, man is reduced to a meaningless animal, ultimately no different than a fish. And Christians overall have done a pretty good job of rejecting that lie. We know that man is more than an animal. Man is an image bearer. But there's a second voice that sounds holy, but it really isn't. It is to deny the importance of the physical to only stress the non-physical. And we read, when we read that God created the physical world and he declared it very good, when we read and we sing that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us, we are affirming a fundamentally different view of life. What we need is redemption and liberation from sin. It's the second voice, which I call tonight "excarnation," that I want to focus on. Christ came in the flesh and not out of it, and that changes everything. To be a human means you are to live in your flesh, in your body. Christmas pushes us towards tactile, physical, living. To live as a true human, among other humans, means to be physically somewhere. But there are forces pressing us to live less and less like humans. We are tempted to always place what is inside over what is the whole totality of man. We see this pull towards excarnation, I think, in the church in many different ways. Francis Schaeffer summarized it this way. We look at life as upper story and lower story. There's this upper story part of your life that is spiritual, it's non-physical. That's all Christianity really cares about. It doesn't care about the lower story or the physical or natural world. Well, when I read my Bible, I see, not that, for example, consider Colossians 1. We read that Christ made everything. He holds all things together. He is redeeming all things, whether seen or unseen, by the blood of his cross. When you read your Bible, you see a God who created the physical and the spiritual and declared them good. You see a God who comes into his creation. Any belief that seeks to partition life off into different parts of spiritual versus physical is anti gospel. In the wider culture, we see this pull towards excarnation, to live out of your flesh in many, many different ways. Consider this very, very carefully. Well, naturalism says there's only the physical. We have a response to that in unbelievers called existentialism, which says, well, whatever is going on in your mind, your mind actually determines what is physically true that your mind is more important than your body, and your body must, must bend the knee to your mind. And so people mutilate children in the name of this. The body cannot be changed, but they try to do it anyways. Perhaps closer to home, we are encouraged to live disembodied lives in a million different ways. We idolize the disembodied life through digital life, we are constantly tempted to not be physically present because we have supercomputers in our pocket. We are tempted to not live with those who are right there with us because we would rather live in a non-physical, made-up, digital world. Well, technology is not inherently sinful. Technology can be used for good. It can be used for evil. Things like phone calls, Video messaging are good ways to overcome distances. But you and I know this. When you are separated from a loved one, it is good to get a phone call from them. It is good to get a video message from them, but it is not the same as being in the same room with them. Why is that so? Because you are a human, made in the image of God, meant to live a tactile life. Nothing really replaces being physically with loved ones. So what application can we make from this? I want to make just a couple here. Your main community in life must not be disembodied community. It must not be digital community. That can be an add-on to your life, sure, but it cannot be the main community in your life. We are meant to be physically with one another. We are meant to shake hands. We are meant, and I know this is Minnesota, We are meant to hug one another. As awkward as that is, we are meant to to comfort one another physically. And this encourages us spiritually and physically together. Moreover, your local church, the word church literally means assembly, called out ones. A local church is no less than being physically gathered together. For too long, we've denied our physicalness our incarnational reality. We beam in a hologram of a pastor who's not there in the flesh, and then we preach about Christ coming in the flesh. This is not how the church should be. Yes, we can stream services to help those who cannot make it to church because they're homebound, but streamed services can never replace the physical gathering of the saints. Why? Because Christ came in the flesh. He didn't just beam down a hologram. Christianity is irreducibly incarnational in its meaning, its focus, and its application. So you, Christian, must resist the modern urge to live your life more and more in an excarnational way. Wherever you are, be there fully. Find some place to hide that supercomputer so you can focus and be present wherever you are. Let that tool not master you, you must master it. Live actually with real people in real community. And as you go to your Christmas gatherings tonight and tomorrow and throughout the week, reflect on this. Live incarnationally like Christ did and does. Not excarnationally like the pagans. Glorify God with your body and your soul. Live like Christ in the presence of of others. Shake hands. If you can't hug someone, pat them on the back. Be physically and mentally present wherever you are, for this is what it means to be human. And as you experience the blessings of being physically gathered with others, train your heart and your mind to remember this great truth the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. The Word died in the flesh. The Word rose again in the flesh. The Word ascended to the right hand of the Father in the flesh. The Word sits at the right hand of the Father right now in the flesh. And the Word will return in the flesh to set up his kingdom here on earth and to live with us forever. So as Christ physically lived and died for you, do not succumb to becoming less than what it means to be a human. Instead, be like Christ who took on flesh and lived among us. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you this morning that you sent your son and that he humbled himself to take upon himself a human nature and to live among us. And he did this with the cross in mind. He did this knowing that he would die in our place. And so, Lord God, we praise and thank you for the good news of an incarnated Savior who died in the flesh, who rose again in the flesh, and who will return in the flesh. We ask that you hasten that day. Amen.